Hi, here's Florian for 99 Startups, and I have today a new guest. Introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Vadim. I'm a senior product manager at Omeo. I've been doing product management and also product analytics for the last five years. I started my career in London, worked for a few companies there, and now I'm in Berlin. My few latest gigs were before Omeo, which is a travel booking platform. I was at 8Fit, which is a health and fitness app. And before that, I worked for Foodpanda, which is a, a food delivery company. And I've seen you've interviewed Felix Plog, from, who was a CEO of Foodpanda. So I worked closely with him. Cool. So uh, if you look for this podcast, you will also find it on my website. But um, let's go back to you. Um, how you would describe what's the job of a product manager? That's a really tricky question. <laughs> it's always difficult to answer, but I've formulated the role of product manager for myself as you are someone who makes the future happen. And that usually consists of two parts. There is a visualization element and the actualization part. So visualization can be done either by yourself or it can be supported by people around you in the organization. And actualization is usually on people around you, developers, designers, salespeople, marketing people. So you work with those people to make it happen. So briefly, it's visualization of the future state of the world, whether it is a small state or a big state, and actualization of that state. Cool. And the, you would say the product manager is responsible for both of them? Or uh, mainly for the first or the second? I, I would say both. I think as a good product manager, you want to challenge yourself to create something amazing and creation involves both parts. You, you, need, you just need to figure out what is it that would make the world better in the future. And then, you know, having just an idea is not enough. You need to find resources and, um, you know, combine those resources together to make it happen. So you kind of can say it's a very entrepreneurial type of work, but usually the difference between formal title of a product manager and title, if you can say entrepreneur, is that product manager usually uses the resources that have been acquired by someone else. So there is less risk involved and there's a pure form of creation, which usually, of course, also means that you know, you might have less ownership, but, you know, you are kind of abstracted from all the administrative tasks and, you know, fundraising tasks and recruitment tasks. So you, it's, it's just the creation process, visualization and actualization, while entrepreneur usually needs to do the whole baggage of all other things, which, of course, brings, uh, you know, certain benefits as well, along with risks. Yeah, cool. So you have quite some experience in uh, different companies, and it's it's always 
like it has advantages and disadvantages to work in a company and as well as product manager. So what was your experience there? Like what was your your main learnings, how to navigate, to reach your goals in, in a company? You mean in my existing company? Like, or? like in all, you can also speak general. Like what was your experiences? What was good, what was bad? How you solved certain problems or overcome certain challenges or avoid certain certain challenges? Well, first it was more about figuring out what it is I'm good at, what kind of career I want to have. And I started mainly doing analytics, uh, very different types of analytics. I did it for product. I did it for marketing. I went through frustrations of figuring things out and putting them in charts, but then never really seeing this driving any change in the world. At which point I realized I want to actually be this change maker and I wanted to use that strength that I have developed, this analytical mind and analytical skills and, you know, put them in some kind of way to create something. And that, that's where the product management idea came. And I thought, okay, I want to try myself in a product management area. So I just started with that. I started like smaller, you know, thinking about smaller features on existing products, making a little change in the beginning, just because there's so much to learn, moving to more successful gigs at companies like 8Fit and Omeo, which were, you know, the companies where for the first time I actually managed to drive pretty significant growth and a lot of challenges there. So Especially when you arrive in a new company, you already have usually a team in place and you need to figure out, you know, what is the team dynamics, what they like, what they don't like, you know, do they need you, uh, where uh, or, you know, in what form or capacity the team needs you. Um, so there's a lot of human element that you need to figure out in the beginning, then you need to look at the broader ecosystem of the organization as well, how teams uh, collaborate, what are the different blockers between teams in the organization, and then how you can, you know, be the facilitator. How can you, you know, make those blockers go away? And then it's just working with people, sometimes coaching them, you know, sometimes relying on their strengths, and then applying what you are supposed to do in the first place, the product management part. So you know, come up with ideas, gather ideas, visualize the future state, and then, you know, work with those people who you coached or, you know, who you unblocked to make this vision happen. So probably mainly, like, imagine now you go new in a company. Probably you, you get first the insights of the people which hire you, like probably your bosses. Let's say it's here CEOs or something similar, something similar. And they tell you, okay, we would like to accomplish probably X, Y, Z, correct? To, to accomplish what? To accomplish, like, for example, this kind of growth. Or, or did we say just go in and find something? Or So usually, there, well, when someone hires a person, any person, including product manager, they probably have some idea what the person wants to do. 
the more senior the person is, the less is the definition um, of the area. And also the smaller the organization, the less definition of what you're going to be doing as well. So that varies depending on the organization size and your seniority. But usually there is some area that you would be given uh, right away because there are immediate problems that people want you yeah. to solve. And that is when you, know, you spend your first week or even a month working on things that on immediate problems. So you need to learn the landscape, understand what is the status quo, what kind of problems people have and how they handle them today. And well, having the privilege of being an outsider still, you know, taking a fresh approach, figure out some hopefully novel and more useful way to solve those problems. And and then you expand. Then you define which problems are actually worth solving. Maybe certain things that current organization or people who already exist in the organization thought are important, you might find that other things are more important. And then you go through the re-education process as well. And then effectively you find the areas you know where you have the most impact and where your skills lie that you can actually achieve that impact. So in concrete examples, you might, as a product manager, you can be put on a specific product or on a specific area. And, you know, you can just stick to that area or you might find that, particularly in smaller startups, you might find that this area is actually not worth developing. Like there is no goal, you know, there is no market or, you know, we see that, you know, we can't win the competition here, then you might want to focus on something else and you focus on on this entirely. So what are like typical examples from problems you solved in the past? So when I joined 8Fit, I was given a very specific task to drive growth through onboarding optimization effectively. The company already had the experimentation framework in place. So that was a very good start for me that I actually had the infrastructure and the defined area to work with. So it was very simple for me to just go and find insights out there. What is it that you can do to drive subscriptions? So 8Fit is a subscription-based business. They want to sell you know, their product to as many people as possible to do the workouts at home and plan their healthy meals. So my task was to sell as many of the old subscription as possible. And we went through a whole list of tricks that you can do. And then I moved on to broader areas. So rather than focusing solely on growth, I started working on things that were driving engagement. So I was working on the new meal planner. I was working on uh, rebuilding workouts. So that effectively what was driving retention and then people would be, you know, they would like product more so they would renew at the end of the year. So you kind of start focus on retention then. That is the kind of shift that I made uh, within the organization. Did you choose these areas yourself or did someone say you should have a watch into it? 
It it was a pretty small company, um, so I was the only product manager for some time. So there was a lot of freedom to choose these areas. So yes, I, I was pretty free to experiment. Yeah. So you had said, okay, cool. I got now more subscriptions on. So let's see how to keep them, and then yeah. that's the reason why you watched because the we want areas. to build a, a long living product. We wanted to have a you know the ambition of having billion dollar company. You want people to absolutely love your product, so you have to make the product better. You can't just keep optimizing the subscription flow. Yeah. So and then if you go into a new area, for example, we want to retain uh, users. Uh, what's the first thing you do there? If you want to retain users, yeah, like you go in a new area, you didn't like, mm -hmm. watch into it so far. So what's the first thing you do there? Well, you understand your customers. Yeah. You understand the every, you know, intricate element of how they solve their problems today. So if we're talking about travel, for example, you want to understand what are all the existing problems people have in travel, all the way from, you know, exploring the journeys to booking journeys to then, you know, the, this moment before booking and when you travel, like what is this preparation time? And then during travel, and then, you know, once you are in the destination and then once you come back, so you want this whole life cycle and you break it down into, you know, tiny steps and you see what possible problems people might have and you see where you could fit in. So at Omeo, for example, we focused, um, in the beginning, I was focusing on, again, optimizing the funnel. So I wanted, uh, you know, people to book as, I wanted to drive as many bookings as possible. But then later we realized that this, you know, this started getting only marginal returns. So we needed to, we needed to drive post-booking experience. So how happy people would be after they book with us. And it started with um, basics. We, we were working on um, my bookings portal, which is essentially booking management, starting with small things where you can cancel or change your booking. And we're now working on something you know, greater. So what possible questions you might have about your trip, you can go to the booking management portal and find it out. Um, and then you can expand from there. We already have companion at um, Omeo. That's something that travels with you by definition. So when you arrive on a, on a platform, you want to know which platform your train arrives from, uh, departs from rather. And you can see it in the companion. Or if there is something going wrong, if there is a certain delay, for example, then the companion would let you know. And that whole experience it adds this whole information layer during your travel, which is just helpful, you know, compared to you standing on the platform, not really being sure uh, what's going on. And then there are multiple things that you can do. If your train is, is delayed, usually you can get compensation for this. And, you know, we've chatted earlier about the possibility to get money back from BVG. Similarly, you can get money back from train providers from SNCF in France, from Deutsche Bahn in Germany, but it is very hard. You have to fill in the, the paper form, but that can be automated. We can literally go as far as 
since we know that the train is delayed and we know when a user is eligible for compensation, we can compensate the user right away. And then we as a company would be getting this money from the train providers. And this way you, you make travel much less stressful. So you know if something goes wrong, at least you're getting money back. Or you know, we can think of other things. We put you on another transport mode. Maybe you can take a bus or you know, we, we find alternatives for you. So this is the example from travel, how you can shift from one area to the other and expand. So you said like you, you check out uh, the problem there you want to solve and then you brainstorm solutions, like what could be solutions. And if you have the list of solutions, like how you choose what to do next, like what you try out next. It depends. Um, so you try to formulate the overall vision where you want to go with your product within the area you are responsible for as a product manager. And you pick different things that you feel would have impact on this. And I use the word feel, but you, in fact, use a lot of data to back this decision. So you see how people behave today on your platform. You try and find data how people um, behave outside your platform, which is usually less quantitative and more qualitative. And you just formulate multiple hypotheses of what would be good to have in the future to have the most amazing journey. And then you have this list and you decide, all right, where do I want to start? You, you want to pick something that would yield you most benefits right away. You build a rather lightweight version of it. So you can test hypotheses early. So if, for example, you know, going back uh, to the example that I mentioned, this automatic reimbursement when trains are late. Before you implement this, you, you don't know whether it's going to work or not. So you don't, you don't want to have the fully fledged version built right away where you automatically reimburse everybody and then get money from providers. It's a pretty complicated mechanism. You can do the very small thing first. You can go and find customers in the recent past who experienced delays and then go and manually check if you could actually get the money back for yeah. them. And then if you can, you contact these customers and ask them by email, would you be interested to get your money back? Perhaps, you know, except for some commission that we would take. And then you see what is the interest. So you see yeah. if it's even feasible, do you actually get money back from providers and can you do it on behalf of customers? You can figure out all these legal issues as well. So, and, and you do it on a small scale. And if it works on a small scale, you see there is interest for this, you double down. So it's yeah. like playing battleship game in a way. So you, yeah. you will have multiple hypotheses and you will shoot rather cheaply in different places on the field. And a lot of times it will be, you will be wrong. So you'll be losing small efforts on many initiatives, but then on certain initiatives, you will feel that you, you know, you found that part of the ship. So you will be shooting all around it until you get the full uh, yeah. ship. And, you know, that's how you do it. And then you move on further. So you had, you had one ship and, you know, what are those other ships that you want to find? And again, you want to do this under umbrella of your vision. You don't want to spread yourself too thin. 
you still want to build brand of those um, features that you find. Yeah. Did you had ever trouble to um, with with your bosses and working this way? Because always try and error can work cannot work. It is very important to have a good setup in the organization, and particularly when it comes to product organization. So somebody who manages product managers. I was lucky enough to work with managers who gave me a very fair bit of autonomy and at the same time mentorship on how to do things. So I had those good type of managers that are quite invisible when things are going well, but then they're always there for you if something goes wrong. So in in this sense I never had you know different views with my managers but I'm rather picky when I'm going for a job I I'm going for a manager to usually follow this advice you know you don't pick the company you don't even pick the industry you pick your manager because that is what will have most of the impact on your career and you know having this autonomy and mentorship from the managers was really helpful so this trial educated trial and error was highly encouraged you don't want to make kind of stupid or random trial and error with every error that you make you you want to you know your next to be your next step to be more precise yeah. evolution is this random stupid trial and error it would try everything and that's why it takes millions of years you usually don't have millions of years you usually have a quarter numbers yeah. to hit so you you need to be precise with every step but you need to admit certain probabilities like there will be you know 80% of hypotheses that you're stating they will be wrong you just need to accept it and you want to you know fail on them as cheaply as possible yeah makes sense cool so you said you're really data driven in your decisions can you elaborate a bit on that Yes, so this data-driven mentality is extremely important and it is very hard to get as well. I gave a whole lecture on this earlier this week, but to be data, what effectively data-driven means is supporting your actions with evidence. That's, it, that's as simple as this. It's in formulating your hypothesis Like I was saying before, you want to analyze the behavior on your platform. You want to look for data externally. You might want to talk to companies in the same industry yeah. or doing similar things, getting certain benchmarks, getting certain ideas what is happening. And then talking to customers, of course. So you get this firsthand evidence from the customers, yeah. understanding how they do things today. And based on this data collection, you then start making decisions. What very often happens is there are always a lot of ideas flying around in the company or product managers might come up with their own ideas all the time. But these ideas often are ungrounded. They are just ideas. There is no evidence behind them. And it is very easy to to be too quick to jump to conclusions and you know go and try out certain ideas just because you had one and usually the higher the stakeholder you know that it can also be the problem if high stakeholder yeah. comes to you and says oh i have this great idea let's try it out you might lose 
months yeah. working on the idea without you know any grounding behind this yeah and that that is what to me means data driven then there are techniques that you might want to learn in order to collect the data and now data gets more and more quantitative so you want to go into things like SQL, how do you pull data? You want to go into things like visualization, how do you visualize data effectively? You know, you want to learn things about A-B tests and then all these things can be, can be learned in a weekend. And then, you know, within a week you can be applying them effectively if you um, use the right sources and the right people to teach you. So, it, but that is important to distinguish. Like there is yeah. data as an evidence and then there is technique to work with the data. Yeah. So, um, what do you would say is to be crash course? Like, if a product manager wants to start more working with data, what's what's the most important things he needs to know now? So, ideally, <laughs> ideally, if you're a product manager, you would already be analytical. Yeah. If if you are not, and you want to become more analytical and work with data more, it's so my first advice, whether it is product manager or actually anybody else in the organization, first, you want to understand how well you're doing. Yeah. Um, there is this keyword reporting. The problem with keywords or buzzwords, it is often, particularly reporting, it, it's something that you perceive as you have to do for something else. But if you replace reporting with, I want to know how I'm doing, then it becomes much easier to work with. So what is your number? What is it that you are trying to drive? And often the first thing that comes to mind is, oh, I want to drive subscriptions or I want to drive orders, bookings. That might not necessarily be the right immediate metric for you. There might be a lot of other things in between that uh, leads to this. So it might be, conversion on a particular step. It might be engagement with a particular feature. It might be, you know, customer satisfaction after they purchased your product. The more people are satisfied, the more likely they're going to come back. The, you know, that means higher retention and that means more orders in the future. Um, so you want to break it down and decide what is your line? Like which line do you want to move up or down, whatever is the right direction for the metric that you have chosen. Once you have this, once you evaluate yourself on this, and ideally in the organization, you create the mindset that evaluation is based on metrics. If you're a product manager, and during your performance reviews with product managers, you're not talking about metrics, then just something is fundamentally wrong. It means that the organization, it's, it's a red flag that the organization potentially is this process-driven organization then you know, not as opposed to result-driven uh, yeah. organization. Once you have the line and you evaluate yourself according to this line, you will be having this intention that, you know, you want to do the most likely thing that will drive this line in the right direction. Yeah. And once you have that mindset, you will be craving evidence to you know, to back whatever it is you're going to spend your resources on betting that it will move your metric. And here starts the question, all right, so how do I do this? How do I find these insights? 
and you will realize, okay, I have all this data in our databases or in our data warehouses, or I need to speak to all these customers if we're talking about qualitative data. You know, suddenly it will open up the right questions in your head. So if you need to go and do the quantitative analysis on the existing data, so say customer behavior on your platform, if you haven't worked with data before, the question will be, how do I work with it? How can I get the dashboard? If you're lucky enough, the organization would have the setup already in place, in which case you can easily build your own dashboards. If you're not lucky, then you might have you know, someone in the organization who can build those dashboards. It might be an analyst, it might be a different product manager, but very often you find yourself in a situation where there is nobody to build those dashboards for you, which leaves you pretty much the only option, but you, know, you have to go with that option if you want to be good at what you're doing. Uh, you need to build a dashboard yourself. And if you want to build a dashboard yourself, you need to learn SQL to pull the data. You need to learn the right visualization. So you know the data starts making sense for you and for others who you're going to present it for. And there are multiple materials where you can learn. You can, you can use Khan Academy to learn SQL. You can go to Udemy. There are tons of courses that you do for visualization. There is this amazing book called Say It With Charts. Yeah. They give it um, to every to everyone who joins McKinsey as a consultant, for example. And you can read in a few hours and that knowledge will stay with you forever. And then you do practice. Like The learning is really simple. You can learn all this in, in a week, um, more or less. And then if you regularly apply it, within a month, you will get comfortable with it. And you know, after two months, you will be surprised you haven't been doing it before and how others are not doing it. And you will just see the leap in performance within six months, you will just see a complete difference. It, you know, you will see a sense of direction of what you're doing. Yeah. Makes sense. Mm, did you had a like, because if you made the decision, you want to go, you want to try out certain things like shoot next to the ship, you, you, you do a really lean approach. So you try to find a, the minimal way. Um, did you had ever trouble that people didn't took off this mindset? Or because you you were in a startup environment, that was never an issue. No, so I think I was lucky to be in the organizations where I had an authority over my product. Yeah. So I had to report on what it is I am doing. But as long as I had a good explanation why we're doing what we're doing as a team, people wouldn't have any questions. It usually the only question was is our line going up or not? And like, is it moving up um, fast enough? When, when it was stagnant or at times when it went down, when something went wrong, that is when you start losing your karma points, you know, your uh, currency in the organization, yeah. which, you know, which is the time when it is really difficult to continue defending your approach and people start coming with alternative suggestions. Uh, but usually when you fix this and, you know, things start moving up again, it's up to you how you're doing it. Like, yeah. As long as you're doing good, it works. Yeah. So you also saw different companies and every time uh, someone uh, changes a company or ch changes their life a bit, I'm asking myself, like, how did this 
um, decision happening? What was the process behind it? So how do you do your, your how's your decision making? And I want to try something new. My fundamental value is growth yeah. in life. I, I spent a very long time formulating what up until now is my fundamental value. And in everything I look at, it's growth. Growth drives the most fascinating things in life. That's usually the basis how I connect with other people. It's, you know, seeing that they are creating something that either makes them grow or, you know, makes other people grow because of their activity. So it's the same with career choice. I want to grow personally. I want to do more impact. So higher magnitude of positive impact on people's lives and on more people's lives. So when I change organizations, it usually means that I am going to do something that I feel is more meaningful or I have higher leverage in what I do. For example, at 8Fit, I only had one team of developers. I had around um, five developers at the time. And when I was moving to Omeo, I got three teams and I was working with 15 developers, which was a lot more challenging, but also meant I could test so many more hypotheses. Like, I almost felt like a VC in a way, you know, who yeah. picks different startups and, you know, some of them fail, some of them work. To me, in these three teams, I could experiment with so many things that worked out. And then I found you know, certain beautiful things that I didn't expect would happen. I managed to build incredible synergies between these three teams and we just created so much more. So it was three times more engineers, but we created, you know, 10 times more amazing things than we did at 8Fit. So if, you know, in, in, in my next move, I would be looking for something similar. When I move, I want to to bigger scale of more meaningful stuff and whatever that means it might be higher position it might yeah. be more people or it might be more revolutionary product to work on yeah cool so what would be the end goal like let's say in five or ten years like what would be your dream position i don't have a dream position for sure it's more about the work that i do and i'm still trying to formulate what is it that would be most amazing? So I, I was, health and fitness highly resonated with me. Even the time at the company changed my habits forever. I started doing a lot more sports and I started to think about what I'm eating. I never thought what I'm eating. And, you know, the company changed myself and I managed to change the habits of millions of users. That was pretty incredible. In travel as well, travel is much bigger industry than health and fitness, and it grows, it becomes bigger and bigger, people become more mobile. I am an avid traveler myself, so that was the industry that I felt like is even more exciting. I don't know what it is going to be in the future, but I'm formulating two things that I'm getting deeply interested in. One 
is this analytics. Like to me, it becomes bigger than just a tool at work. I just feel like if I could bring the analytical mindset to more organizations, and even if I find a way to bring it to consumers somehow, you know, to become more analytical in their daily lives, because there's so many random things that we're doing and there's so much trial and error that different people are doing. You can pretty much successfully aggregate it and have as a directed learning for people. This is one of the rather undefined area yet, but this is something that I probably would be highly interested in solving. I don't know in what way yet. And the other is the personal growth. I really want more people to be obsessed about personal growth. And, you know, you always end up in this conversations that some people just want to be happy. They don't need the happiness, the, the, uh, the, the growth. But I think when people actually experience this sense of growth, when they start doing something new and they realize that they're actually getting better at something, that's when they, that's when humans feel at their best. And that what drives people happiness. So I would want to find a way to drive this personal growth to people. Again, I don't know in what way it might be even something that I would contribute as, um, you know, in a nonprofit entity. So something like investing into um, education of children or even university students, just teach them something I didn't know when I was a kid or even when I was a student. So this, these are the two areas that I would like to contribute in. It will definitely be in technology. So I, I think I will keep doing products, you know, till, I don't know, for a very long time, at yeah. least. Whether it's with the existing organization or if I decide to form my own organization, yeah. it will be very heavily product-led and it will be something that makes significant contribution. And I don't know the exact answer yet. Yeah, that's completely fine. That's, I think there are not many people which know, yeah, in 10 years I will do in this position exactly that. Cool. So what you would say are your favorite books or your favorite sources of knowledge? I have quite a list of books um, that I would recommend to a lot of people. They're broadly, I would say, I would recommend two categories and yeah. a few books um, yeah. in there. Um, like one, I was talking about the importance of visualization. And I recently completely fell in love with reading science fiction and utopias in particular and dystopias as well because these are the books that trigger your imagination like no other books the utopias or science fiction books they literally propose you a certain state of the world and by reading utopias of various authors of various times you can form uh you know you basically borrow their ideas and you can form your own worldview. So one one amazing author is Aldous Huxley. And he has two books, which I particularly enjoy. One is The Island, which is the the utopian uh, view of the world. And the other is 
Brave New World, which is a famous dystopia. I definitely recommend those two books. The other author who's really good is uh, George Orwell. And he has this famous dystopia called 1984. That is a very interesting book to read now, especially when we have the AI hype and how it can turn into the surveillance state. Yes. It was written back in 1980s when there's you know there was very little of yeah. AI as we know it today, yeah. and it's very it's just very interesting to read. You could understand how things can go wrong. Yeah, and the other category, completely different angle of what I enjoy reading, is something in the area of spirituality. And there are two books that I particularly enjoyed. One is written by Sadhguru. It's called yeah. Inner Engineering. Okay. And the other is called Power of Now. It's by Eckhart Tolle. Okay. Yeah. Two books are essentially about the same thing. It's how to live the present moment, you know, how to enjoy yourself, not to worry about the future. Yeah. So that, you know, those two categories kind of forms a very interesting personality in you, where on the one hand, you always push yourself to imagine how the world will be a better place and, you know, formulate certain assumptions of what you would need to do uh, in order to achieve that state. And the other pulls you out of, uh, of the future into the present and teaches you how to actually enjoy this moment and be joyful while you're going into this utopian world in the future. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. So my last question is, uh, if you could go back in time and talk to your 18-year-old self, what you would tell him? If I, if I went back in time, 18, so I just, I just finished school, my advice would probably be keep doing what you're doing, but love people more. Have this positive Assume that people have uh, positive intentions. Mm. Don't assume that everybody wants to screw you up in some way. Just assume positive intention. And if you get some negative behavior from other people, try to explain it to yourself. Try to understand their situation. And don't be frustrated at people. People are amazing. Just try to understand them. Surround yourself with people. and you know, try to build more relationship, which are deep, meaningful, and have certain element of warmth in it. That would be like very specific advice to yeah. myself, but I think it applies to a lot of people yeah, as well. I think so, yeah. Cool. Thank you very much. Thank you. It was a pleasure talking to you. Likewise. See you next time. <laughs>